Who is this year's Corey Kispert, Desmond Bain, or Ocha Akbaji? Find out in this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, where I will discuss a few seniors that I think could possibly have breakout seasons. Again, seniors, this is the forgotten group of prospects every year at this time. Everybody's interested in the freshmen, and the seniors are somewhat forgotten. But I'm going to make sure you know about five seniors that I think, again, could have breakout seasons. Stay tuned. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, and Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And that is because Bet Online, it's where the game starts. What is up? You are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA DraftJunkies.com. I am, aka, the one stop shop for NBA draft content. I write. Obviously, I scout, I produce my own content, do videos, and I'm just a guy that is enjoying what he does for a living. Shout out to each and every person that has made this Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day, and it's because of you, because of you, yes, yes, you listening, why this podcast is a success, because, I mean, right now it's September Really not a lot going on. You still are listening to NBA Draft content because we are like 52 days away from the start of college basketball season. And we're still a long ways away from the draft. But I'm I'm getting excited about this season. I mean, it's going to be a, in my opinion, I think it's going to be a great class. And, you know, the, all the attention is on... You know, the, the freshmen or even like the, the non-college guys, I know I've talked about it at length plenty of times from Victor Wimbayama to Scoot Henderson to the Thompson Twins at OTE. And then you got this dynamic freshman class with Nick Smith and Keontae George and Dariq Whitehead and Khalil Ware. So, I mean, so it is a class that, that can definitely get you excited, especially if you're a fan of a team like the Utah Jazz, where you guys are really going to have to be interested in the draft because, quite frankly, Utah is not looking to win right now. And they should have a lot of opportunities to rebuild in this draft because I think they have three first-round picks. If they have three first-round picks, I think this class is deep enough where they can at least find possibly their franchise guy and a couple pieces that could be uh, very vital to their rebuild. But I want to talk about the seniors. I want to talk about the guys that everybody kind of overlooks at this time because they're not as sexy of prospects or, you know, they're not considered to have the same upside. And, you know, it's kind of like the saying, like, if you are ranked among among your school's leaders in any statistical category as a draft pick, that means you've been there a long time. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about some guys that possibly – could, again, have a breakout year like I talked about in the opening. And my very first breakout senior candidate is a guy that I'm very, very high on. I'm high on him, and it, it his, his stock, in, in my opinion, has increased over the last few days. And I have him as a first-round pick. I, I think that he's going to have a, a great senior year. Of course, he has to stay healthy, which is the, the concern. But Marcus Sasser... I really, really like 
Marcus Sasser. He averaged 17.7 points last season, 2.8 rebounds, 2.6 assists. A season that was cut short by injury. He played at the the combine in Chicago, decided to come back. But I think he is due for a major, major senior year. He shot 43.7% from the floor, but 43.7% from three on a high volume of attempts. I think that, again, Sasser is going to be this year's breakout senior prospect. And I'll just give you a couple of notes that that I have on my notes from, from the scouting report. Strong frame, lower body. He is a shot maker. An impressive score off the dribble, an advanced pull-up shooter. What I like is that he has a good combination of pace and burst. He's fast enough to get by guys, but his game isn't defined by his speed. Um, He has the quick first step. He can blow by guys, but it's the ball handling and offensive creativity that I like. Again, I'm very biased towards guys that can get buckets, get their own shot. And that's what Marcus Sasser does. He's very confident. A very, very confident score. Again, that's something that I like. I, I like guys that are confident. Sometimes I'm a fan of irrational confidence in a sense. And that can lead to like some some bad shot selection from time to time. But again, Marcus Sasser is this extremely confident score. Good spot up shooter. Like I said, shot 43% from three on eight attempts per game. So that 43% was on a high volume of attempts. And a lot of it was created off off the dribble. I, I, I'm i a fan of these. It's, it's like a, a new, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but I guess it's like a, a new attribute that I'm looking for. And, and guards is guys that can create their own three-point shot. I mean, there are guys that can shoot, but they... You know, they need the wide open catch and shoot. So we're, we're in this new level where, you know, you see your, your Steph Curry's, your Dame Lillard's, these guys that can create their own shot from three. And that's something that Marcus Sasser does pretty well. Um, gets to his spots on the floor with ease. I think he's instant offense. He exploits mismatches in the pick and roll. Not the best passer. He's a capable passer. He has a driving kick vision. And I think that his best role in the NBA would be like this off the bench score. That is an ideal compliment to like a big ball handler. So, um, you know, maybe like Alonzo ball or even like a James Harden. I think Sasser could, could, um, be like a complimentary guy where he's like your secondary playmaker, not your main. And his role is to, to get buckets. So I'm very high on Marcus Sasser. He's my first choice that I think is going to have a, breakout senior year I think he at least again in my opinion he's a first round pick now the areas of concern the confidence can lead to tough shots which is something that you know you you see often with guys that are scorers I think he needs to draw more fouls I mean he has the handle the strength he has everything you need to be a really great scorer on the college level but he only gets to the foul line three times per game at at the most another concern is that he is more so of a combo or undersized two than a point guard. I know we're in this era where, you know, positionless basketball is big. But I still think that there is a a somewhat of a knock on guys that are combo guards because they have to, one, they have to find the right system and the right fit and the right players to, you know, share the court with. So that, that can be somewhat of a concern. 
And the, the biggest concern for me, though, is finishing around the rim because he does rely heavily on his jump shot, which, you know, I mean, he, he's a good shooter. So I totally understand that. But he only shot 27% around the basket. Now, that is somewhat concerning. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing if he can make some improvements as far as finishing around the rim as a senior. Again, I think that he is the top candidate, in my opinion, to have the breakout senior year where he could be like Desmond Bain or Akbaji or Corey Kispert and end up being a, a first-round pick. It's probably a long shot to be lottery you know, or, or late lottery like a couple of those guys, so maybe more so of around the Desmond Bain range. But again, Marcus Sasser from Houston. Last year, I think he only played 12 games. I hope he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy again, my first choice for a breakout senior season. In the next segment, I'm going to talk about the guy that I think is going to be the best player in college basketball. Not necessarily the best NBA prospect, but the best player in college basketball. And I said this for two years now, Drew Timmy. But before I get into Drew, I want to talk to you about BetOnline.net because BetOnline.net is your number one source for pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's week two games on BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and sports scores. The fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your favorite events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That is because Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, once again, shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow. And now I want to talk to you about Drew Timmy. Now, Drew is a guy that seems like he has been in college basketball forever. He's someone that I follow forever because I live in the Dallas area. And my first time seeing him play, I think he was an, an eighth grader. So I've followed Timmy around. So I can be a little bit biased. But I think that he is the best player. The toughest matchup in college basketball for the second year in a row, maybe even the third year in a row. Doesn't necessarily mean he's the best NBA prospect, but I am still holding on to my Drew Timmy NBA stock. Last year, he averaged 18.4 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, 2.8 assists, a little under a block game. Shot 58.6% from the floor, which for Drew was an off year, only 28% from three. And I think that he will win player of the year in college basketball. He's coming back for his senior year. And if you are not a... A huge college basketball fan. And you don't know about Drew Timmy. You haven't seen him. He is this old school throwback Kevin McHale low post score. So I just give you some of my notes on Timmy. He is an efficient and effective low post score. He has excellent footwork. And he has basically what I call a bag full of counter moves. I mean, he has the up and unders head fakes. You take one move away, he has another one. He is a crafty below-the-rim finisher. He shot 65% around the rim, and he scores with both hands. Like I said, he's he's ambidextrous. But not only does he score with both hands around the rim, he's ambidextrous with his hook shot. So he has a baby hook going right, left, soft-touch finish package. 
one of the things I like about him is he is a traditional post player. So he fights for low post position. He's not one of these guys where you, you know, he's trying to post up. And then once he doesn't get the, the entry pass, he gives up. He basically just keeps fighting until he gets it. He can score out the pick and roll as far as your, your pick and roll man. But then when he is a serving as the roll man, he is a pretty good short roll passer. He's got high low passer. He finds cutters. I mean, I can go on and on about Drew Timmy and his strengths he can't put the ball on the floor and make plays and not really shifty but he can attack on on straight line drives and he runs the floor in transition he's fun to watch i mean again i have a long list of notes on timmy he's fun to watch very expressive he will let you know like if you're too small you're gonna see him you know maybe he'll flex his muscles my favorite drew timmy game of his career had been a game early last season against texas where it was like I mean, Texas defenders just pretty much were left on Timmy Island. And and I call it Timmy Island because once you're on the island with him and you're trying to defend him one-on-one with no help, I mean, he's going to eat you alive, which is what he did to the Texas defenders. And he let them know. He was very expressive in letting them know that you couldn't guard him. So, again, I'm a big Timmy fan, high IQ guy, dominates college basketball. He draws fouls. And, I mean, he just does so many things well in college basketball. Again, not like the greatest athlete, but he shot like 62% from the floor in transition. Unorthodox finisher. One of the things that really stood out uh, when I watched his film, and I like I said, I've watched him for a while. He is a guy that likes the ball on the left block, right? So I'm left-handed. So for me, if I were a post player, I would want the ball on the right block, because I could use my right shoulder between the ball and the defender, and I'm shooting like my left-hand hook, right? Well, Timmy is right-handed, and he prefers the ball on the left block, which is, you know, pretty common. But he goes left block, left shoulder, which is a, a tough shot, and it's so unorthodox that teams or defenders are having a hard time stopping it. So that's one of the little... Timmy tidbits that I like about him is that, I mean, how often do you see guys post on the right block or the left block and they go off the same shoulder, which block they're on? So a little, little something that kind of stood out to me. Now, there are some concerns about Timmy. He is not your prototypical NBA athlete. He's not, you know, your vertical lob threat. He's not quick. He's not twitchy. He doesn't have great length. All of the things that teams look for. The jumper is a work in progress. Even though I, I watched him play quite a bit this summer playing pickup, he was knocking down jumpers. He shot very well from three at the combine. So if he can improve that, then he has a, a chance to really improve his draft stock because the biggest concern about him outside of the defensive concerns are the shooting. Only 34% on jump shots, only 29% on catch-and-shoot jumpers. Doesn't really space the floor. In today's NBA, it's kind of hard to be a big if you don't anchor the defense or space the floor, no matter what you do in other parts of the game, you know, they're going to attack you on defense. And if, if you're not someone that um, is going to be a plus defender as a big, then you need to be a, a guy that spaces the floor, knocks down open shots. So that's kind of like the, been the knock on Timmy, why he's still in school. Even though, I mean, I imagine his NIL checks are huge. I mean, he has everything that you would want 
from a a person to represent your brand if you're going to give out nil money as personalities you know sometimes he may have the mustache he has the game to go with it so um i'm, I'm sure he's making pretty decent money there again defending in space he's a good rebounder not great and he doesn't block shots but here's the weird thing he, he has such great touch around the rim such great touch on hook shots and and when defenders are on him but he's a below 70 percent free throw shooter for his career like i said he doesn't space the floor but however i think if timmy can knock down open shots this year i think he has a chance to get drafted so he is number two on my list of guys that i think could possibly have a breakout senior year another player that i want to talk about is Kevin McCullough. He's a guy that's not on a lot of lists. He transferred from Texas Tech. I think that he could be one of the big sleepers in this year's draft as far as like seniors. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see like his role at at Kansas compared to Texas Tech. Last year at Tech, he averaged 10 points, four rebounds, three assists. The field goal percentage wasn't great. Only shot 40% from the floor, shot 31% from three. And I've had a chance to watch him play, or not, not necessarily play, but I had a chance to watch him work out this summer. And I really, really believe that he is a much better shooter than the numbers indicate. And I think he's a much better player than his numbers indicate. Texas Tech, and I'm not here to bash Texas Tech. I don't, I don't think it was like the best situation for him. I mean, it was a team that lacked floor spacing. It was a team where, I mean, it was like playing in a phone booth. I mean, it was just tight spaces. Then he had the ankle injuries. But I do think that despite the fact that, again, the numbers weren't great and he battled through some injuries, I think the, the role that he played as like a lead ball handler I think that really kind of helped him out in a sense because, you know, it's, it's um, I mean, it's not going to be his main role in the NBA, but it allowed him to, again, play with the ball in his hands a little bit more and make decisions. But his calling card and the skill set that he's going to hang his hat on is his defense. I think that he is going to be one of the top five, if not the best, wing defender in the 2023 NBA draft class so kevin mccullough from kansas is another guy that i'm expecting to have a huge huge jump going to the defending national champions i think he's going to have a big role and again if he can knock down open shots if he can get to about 35 36 37 even 40 percent from three with his defense and his ability to um impact games with with just his effort and as a connector kevin mccullough has a chance all right when we return I have a few more guys that I want to talk about. A few guys that are kind of like your old school throwback bigs that are kind of extinct in today's NBA world that if they make a couple tweaks or <laughs> they may have a chance. All right, stay tuned. All right, once again, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. And maybe you're not just listening to it. Maybe you're watching it here on YouTube. And how could I not talk about Oscar to Sheepway from Kentucky. This guy is someone that I look up to. If we all chased after things that we want or desire, like Oscar chases after rebounds, we'd all be great. He is 
the best rebounder in college basketball, one of the best rebounders I've seen. Like I can make a highlight package of just watching him rebound. Like he literally rebounds the ball. Like there's wads of hundred dollar bills coming off the rim. I mean, he is like this guy that you just can't box out. His effort is, I don't know. I mean, the best way to describe him is just relentless. Like you can box him out with two or three guys and he is going to get the rebound. If he's not getting the rebound, he's going to get his hands on it. And once he gets his hand on it, then it's like he has like suction cups and He's a guy that, I mean, he had a great junior year. I mean, listen to these numbers. Listen to these numbers. 17.4 points per game, 15 rebounds. 15 rebounds in college basketball is phenomenal. Average 1.6 blocks, average one assist per game, shot 60% from the floor. Decided to come back. I heard he got a like a ridiculous NIL deal because he was like one of the first guys to just decide, you know what, I am going to come back to school. Now, the question for him is, there, there are some concerns. He's like this old school throwback game. His touch around the rim is inconsistent. He's still a little bit raw offensively. Doesn't space the floor. A little undersized at 6'9". There's some concerns about him defending in space. And then he will be 23 on draft night. And I went with the areas of concern first because his strengths are his strengths for real i mean he has a strong frame broad shoulders he's a quick jumper again relentless rebounder 15 boards per game just dominates the glass he grabs rebounds out of his area he can score an offensive rebound putbacks he's a guy that will give you second chance points he's just this hustle player with great energy like his motor if you were a car gotta say bugatti motor not 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 smooth and flashy and powerful like a Bugatti, but I'm just talking about that motor. It's like a V12 supercharged motor where he just, I mean, he just wants it more than anyone else. And that's why I say like, if we all had the same energy or motor towards our goals and our dreams, we'd all be a lot more successful. And so um, that's why I'm such a big fan of him because I want to like attack my my goals and my dreams with the same intensity that Oscar goes after rebound. Again, he's a good vertical athlete. He just wants it more than anyone else. I mean, like when I look at my scouting notes, that's just something that I end up wanting to write down multiple times is he just wants the ball more than anyone else. Now, as far as the offensive game, again, it's a little raw. He did shoot a respectable 57% on post-ups, and he does shoot a good percentage from the floor. Offensively, he's not smooth. It's not very fluid. It's not, you know, someone that you want to get excited about when he gets the ball on the block, but he is an effective scorer. Um, He's good at scoring off, like, cuts and and dump-offs. He's a very good finisher around the rim. I mean, he doesn't miss around the basket. He can screen and roll, and defensively, Despite the fact that there have been some concerns about him defending in space, he does collect a fair share of stocks and blocks and steals. Now, in order for him to, and this is where I'm kind of torn at. Like, on one hand, he doesn't space the floor, right? And, you know, on, on one hand, you say, right, if that's a weakness, you want to see him space the floor and work on that. But then on the other hand, I don't want him to lose his identity. I don't want him to be so focused on trying to show that he can knock down open jumpers that he forgets who he is. I do think that there is a 
role for him in the NBA as this energy guy off the bench that just sets screens, rolls to the rim, gives teams second chance points, and somebody that I think could, again, like lead the league in rebounds per minute. And, again, I think there is a role for him. Not the sexiest game, but I would like to see him in NBA spacing. I think that he could do well with some NBA spacing. So Oscar Toshibwe from Kentucky is a guy that I think could have a a breakout senior season. And then there's another guy, and I'll go over two guys real fast, that are kind of similar in a sense. You got Armando Baycott, who had a phenomenal NCAA tournament last year. I think some people were kind of surprised that he didn't at least test the waters, like really, really uh, give it a shot. But, you know, this NIL is a game changer in a sense. And so at a blue blood school like North Carolina, I think the options were there. He is similar to Toshibwe, an excellent rebounder. He averaged 16.3 points per game, 13.1 rebounds, averaged 1.5 assists, 1.7 blocks, shot 57% from the floor. Another guy that doesn't necessarily space the floor only shot 12.5% from three. But as far as like his strengths and what he brings to the table, he's this, again, this old school, he's strong, this wide-bodied bruiser he's a good interior physical presence he finishes through contact and on my notes I, I have warrior not golden state warrior but warrior he's just tough he's competitive i mean we saw him in the ncaa tournament battle ankle injuries and i mean he was the glue that kind of held carolina together um you can't help but wonder if he's healthy you know <laughs> if he's healthy how how much things things change for for north carolina and and they had a great run, but again, he's a skilled low post score. I think he's effective as a pick and roll finisher. He finishes around the rim with both hands. He does have a, like a post game. He's not really raw around the block. He knows what he's doing. Got a touch around the rim, runs the floor in transition. Again, terrific rebounder, especially in the offensive glass. He rebounds out of his area, shot 61% around the rim. And, you know, I mean, effective 51% on post ups. But the concerns are he's a below-the-rim finisher. He's not like your super lengthy vertical lob threat. And unfortunately, he was just born in the wrong era. He's just one of these guys that if he was born 30 years ago, he's probably a first-round pick. And now with today's NBA, just doesn't necessarily fit. It doesn't space the floor. Took 19 jumpers as a junior, only made five of them. And then he also is a below 70% career free-throw shooter. And then he does most of his jam- damage on the right block. And so I think if he can show, I think for him it's even more important than Oscar. And this is just my opinion. But I think if he can knock down jumpers on the elbow and then maybe show a little bit more efficiency on the right block, I'm sorry, on the left block, it could help him. But I think for him it is showing knocking down jumpers on the elbow, short corner, I think that could help him out a lot. All right, the last player that I want to talk about before I get out of here is Trace Jackson Davis. Put up 18 points, 8 boards per game, 1.9 assists, 2.3 blocks. Shot just a shade under 59% from the floor. He is someone that I that that I like. But the big concern about him is the modern NBA fit. But he could be your, your breakout candidate if he just shows that just adds a little bit to his game. I cover his strength. He is a, you know, strong, physical, low pro, low post presence. 
He is a guy that has a little bit of a face-up game. He can attack off the bounce. Good footwork and balance. He's skilled. He has counter moves. A decent touch around the rim. He does use both hands. What I like about him over um, Baycott and Timmy and even Toshiba is that he's more fluid. He's more agile, a little bit coordinated, a little bit better in, in, in space. Decent vertical athlete. Uh, even even though it's a small sample size, which is really weird, he's a very good transition finisher. Now, the sample size is small. You know, it's kind of like, is he not necessarily running the floor hard every possession? Or is Indiana just kind of looking to slow it down? That's, you know, a matter of opinion. Maybe a little bit of both. But he shot 84% in transition. So that part, I, I think, helps him out. As a role man, 82%. Not... I mean, 81.8. I'll just round it up to 82%. Very, very efficient as a role man. He's an effective off-the-ball cutter. Shot around 70% at the rim. Average over a point per possession. He's kind of like your analytics darling in a sense. Good positive assist-to-turnover ratio, which is kind of rare for bigs. Again, he's a terrific scorer on the college level defensively. Now, while he may not be the best at defending in space, but I think that with his agility and fluidity, I think he, he can be fine there. And he's also a decent shot blocker, averaged over two blocks per game, has energy, effort, strong rebounder. But he does not space the floor. The touch around the rim is good, not great. He's someone that I would love to see have better touch around the rim, which I think that because his touch around the rim is uh, not the best, it makes me wonder about his upside as a shooter. For example, he only shot 35% on hook shots. And so, you know, you look at a guy like Drew Timmy, which is weird. Timmy has excellent touch on his hooks, but he's a below 70% free throw shooter. And, and there's concerns about him spacing the floor. Now with Jackson, I don't know about the upside as a shooter. Like I said, the touch around the rim is inconsistent. The big concern is the fit. Like, does he fit the modern NBA? He's a below-the-rim finisher for the most part. He lacks, like, ideal speed and quickness to be, like, a really effective face-up scorer. It's kind of like when you watch him face up, it kind of turns into bully ball, which he can do it. And then, you know, maybe in the NBA he can exploit mismatches against smaller and weaker defenders. Um, but he's heavily, heavily, heavily reliant on post touches. I want to say he like ranked in the top like 95% college basketball and touches in the post, which is not something that's going to happen in the NBA. He's not going to get post touches. Um, but again, he is effective as a role man, so I, I think that can help him out. But the outside shooting is probably the biggest concern out of everybody because he's very reluctant, doesn't even look to shoot, only took 11 jump shots all season, only made four of them. Uh, needs to work on his right hand. Even though he's, his assists are pretty good, he gets double teamed a lot. I would like to see him become a better passer out of double teams, even though that probably won't have anything to do with the NBA role. But again, I'm concerned because, again, 35% on hooks. I'm definitely concerned about his upside and potential as a floor spacer. And then I think that, you know, if he can show a little bit of what I call the elbow game package, I think that could help him out because he you know, doesn't really have a lot of of stuff to his game on the elbow. And I think, like, for him, you know, even though he's a good rebounder, I think for him to make it to the NBA is going to have to be a, a better scorer. While I think, like, a, a guy like Toshiboy doesn't necessarily need to have, like, this 
crazy offensive package because he's going to have this defined role as like this 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 rebounder. So Trace Jackson Davis is a candidate to have a a breakout senior year if he can add a little bit of you know floor spacing, elbow package and maybe improve his touch around the rim. Possibly 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 he could end up being someone that has a breakout year. Well, shout out to each and every person that has, again, made this Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. This episode is wrapping up. But for your second listen of the day, check out the Locked On NBA Offseason Podcast. Covers the latest news and rumors in the NBA in 30 minutes every day. And it is Locked On NBA. And the Locked On NBA Podcast is your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow. Locked on NBA Big Board Podcast. I hope everyone has a great weekend. I will be back next week when we will be we will be under 50 days until the start of college basketball. So I'm looking forward to that. Stay tuned. And I'm out.